welcome to the Loki Field, where we're all about violating the minds and inner realms of our guests to talk about love, life, and geekery. Okay, so welcome to another episode of the Loki Field. Tonight, we have a really special guest joining us, Trave Carmichael, and we're going to be talking about how to build a million-dollar network, growth hacks, thinking outside the box, and creating the Justice League. So, hi, Trey. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on the show. Yeah. Just for the listeners listening in, could you share a little bit about yourself and your origin story? Man, so... My origin story is kind of a, I mean, I guess it's pretty, I guess it's actually pretty common in the entrepreneur world. There's a lot of people with similar stories, but a few years ago, I was addicted to drugs. I was dealing drugs. I was mm -hmm. anxious. I was depressed. I didn't think I was going to find my way out of it. And along, uh, and while I was on that path, I realized something needed to change, but I didn't know what that was. And eventually I realized something was gonna be everything. And I had to have a couple different people show up in my life, show me I was worth it, and kind of just reaffirm that I had value still. Because when you're in that place, mm. you completely lose your value and it's hard to get that back. But, so I didn't think I was gonna live to see 21. And then uh, here I am, I'm 22. I play, I play COO for Impact Driven Entrepreneurs and I help them set up their systems and teams so they can step out of their business and actually focus on impact. Nice, and it's actually a really rare story for someone to go from being a drug dealer to being just one of the most networked people in business and marketing and at such a young age, that's crazy, that's rare. And how did you go about that? Like making that switch of, you know, like, was it more on your mentors or how did you flip your and turn your life around? So when it comes down to it, when you're in that position, it comes down to you. Like I had to be, I had to get to the point where I was actually willing to change. And then once I got to the point where I was willing to change, I, it's kind of like the universe knew it, uh, it put someone in my life. His name was Kyler Gifford. I had known him mm. since high school, but we hadn't been connected in a long time. And he had become a real estate agent since, since we had last talked. And he told me that he needed some help setting up an open house, putting his signs out, all that fun stuff. And I said, yeah, man, awesome. I'll help you with that. And I got out there and I was very honest about honest with him about where I was at. Mm. I told him how I told him I was scared and that I needed a change. I needed something, but I didn't know what to do. And he accepted me right where I was. And he let me start working on his uh, marketing for his real estate business. He started teaching me about energy and the law of attraction and all the mm. other laws of the universe. And then I kind of realized marketing could be a vehicle for freedom for people. And so I realized, hey, if I don't actually get my shit together now, I'm going to lose this that I'm trying that I'm trying to build here with Kyler. So I went and I found another mentor. Her name was Lisa McClanahan. She already did executive coaching and was working with C-suites, helping mm. them like reconnect with themselves and bring the alignment back to their lives and all that stuff. 
So I went to her and I was like, Lisa, this is where I am. This is what I want. This is what I'm doing. I know this is what you do. Like, how can I help you? I need your help. And she accepted me right where I was at. And she helped me craft my defining statement, which is I'm a crazy, passionate life changer that gives anyone and everyone the space they need to grow. She helped me craft my core values. And at that point, I realized now I had a purpose, which was to give people freedom and help them go to the next people in their lives. Mm -hmm. And now I was clear about who I was as well. And that was kind of the first two steps was getting clear in, on who I was and why I'm here and being ready to change. And then once I started thinking about it, I realized, hey, these two people stood up and they showed up in my life. They expanded their ripple to me. Now mm -hmm. I have an obligation to expand my ripple to other people like me because they showed up and helped me the way that they did. So those were kind of the three, the three things that really played into it. Yeah, and you're all about giving value. Like I've seen you in the groups and just how you, how much you share, how much you post. You just continue to keep value, giving value. And how has that impacted like connecting with people and just how does one go about growing their network when they're so young, like 21, 22, and they're just starting out? How do you go about doing that? So one of the biggest things that I did to grow my network was I started the podcast and I started interviewing people that I wanted to be connected with. Hmm. So that kind of escalated the process. But another thing I did is I really just start, I started putting myself out there. I started being vulnerable about my story and then people wanted to come up and talk to me about it. They wanted to give me that opportunity to talk about what I do because mm -hmm. they had heard my story and they're like, hey, this kid's got a story. I want to hear about it. And then it gives, ends up giving me an opportunity to talk about what I do. So just be yourself, put yourself out there and show up all the time. And then I love that. And I love the story. The really, like yeah. a lot of people, uh, we see all the nice filtered out stories or like the Disney stories. And there are people who don't have that fairy tale kind of story where it's, it's just black and white. They have the grays, they have the um, paths that weren't so easy. And when you share your story in that way, that's just really powerful for anyone going through something similar. So really cool. Yeah. That you share. Yeah, definitely. And the other thing that I do want to touch on since we're talking about building your network is when you lead with value, when you provide value first, like, uh, here, here's a good example. When most people go to networking events, they walk around, they pass out their cards, they collect a bunch of cards, and then they never do anything with them. And then they probably forget everybody that they met. But if you go to that networking event, and instead of thinking, who can I sell to? What can I do? Focus on who you can provide value to. Talk to everybody. And every single person you talk to, if there's somebody in your network, who they could benefit from knowing or there's something that you know that they could benefit from knowing give that give them that information if they're mm -hmm. if they're if there's somebody who's going to need your services now you just provided them value they're going to feel a lot more comfortable buying from you because you already provided them value if they don't need your services now they're going to remember you 
because you provided them value without trying to take anything in return. You're, you seem really good with people. Is this always something that came naturally or did you learn this or like, did you just pay attention to people? How does one go about getting, you know, good with that or getting good at connecting? So when it comes down to it, just a fun fact, I, I might sound confident with it, but I'm actually, when it comes to people, people give me the most anxiety. Like I can walk into a boardroom and not be anxious, but if I walk up to like a, a person and we want to have a normal conversation, that get that small talk gives me anxiety a little bit. So mm, it's not a- I can really- <laughs> Yeah, like I just, it's like, I don't, when, when someone starts making small talk with me, I'm like, what do you want from me? Mm. <laughs> but, uh, and I know that's kind of a, uh, I think that might just be something that's stuck from my past, but uh, I do want to point out that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not amazing with people. I just ask questions. I'm interested in people and I genuinely just take an interest in people and see how I can provide value for them. And most people don't do that. And if you genuinely take an interest, you're not going to have to talk as much. So that kind of takes the anxiety out of it too. Yeah, and the genuine intent to connect with people. Like, you don't have to be... Because a lot of people, you know, they do like persuasion forces or communication forces. And that's all good. But just going back to basics, going back to listening and, you know, finding out how you can give value, not assuming what you can do for them. Like, actually doing research, paying attention, hearing them. Like, in the conversation, just being there, that does a lot. And just people, people take that for granted and they don't realize how powerful those moments are. So, yeah, off air, we were talking about social dynamics and your past, you were a drug dealer. So, how was that, like transitioning from that, the gun to the head, to, you know, boardrooms and businesses and just the business world? So there's a lot of things that come that kind of come out of that indirectly. Like whenever you're whenever you're dealing, you kind of have to know everybody. You always you always got have to be growing your customer base. You always have to be retaining that customer base. Mm. And then you always have to be going and meeting suppliers and things like that. So it's like it it basically is a business. It's just not a legal business that I would recommend anybody getting into. It can legitimately turn into your worst nightmare. So I don't recommend doing that business, but it is a business. So mm -hmm. a lot of those skills do carry over for sure. And that's why you see a lot of people with, with that are ex-drug dealers, they get into the business world and then they do really well, really fast because they already have the skills. They just have to apply them in a different way. Mm, and also like there's no excuses like there are times where you have to do a certain thing and just make it happen. You don't have the luxury of it going wrong. And the people you might also be connected to in that realm is literally gun to the head. <laughs> so just also developing maybe that emotional resiliency and mindset. How has that impacted you? Like, has it helped or was it something you had to work on so 
Honestly, I think one of the most valuable things that I got out of going through everything I did is the ability to step back and look at my and look at every situation well the majority of situations that are going on i have the ability to step back and kind of disassociate from that situation a little bit and instead of responding emotionally i can take the emotion completely out of it and say all right what's going on in this situation what needs to happen what does this person want what do i want what's the end goal and how do we get there instead of responding emotionally and getting anxious and everything else that mm. might happen yeah like stoicism and doing it in such a short amount of time nice so is there any cool things you learned that's been helpful for you in growth hacking in growth hacking The biggest thing that I have had to learn with scaling any business is once you get to where your business is making money, the less you personally do as the CEO, the more money you make. And that's where that's I th- in my opinion, that's where the phrase your network is your net worth really comes from because once you get to a once you get to that point, you can leverage your money and you can leverage your network and you're not doing as much but you can make a lot more happen and i always kind of refer to it as building your own justice league mm. i am really curious with that phrase and with what you mean like do you mean automation or do you mean like your actual network and tapping into people you know so when i say build your justice league i mean build like build your network in general and i don't mean just build your network of random people i mean strategically figure out what your weaknesses are and then go out and find those people who have the complementary superpowers so that mm. you don't have to focus on your weakness you can focus on your superpowers and what you were blessed with and what you're good at and you can let somebody else live in their superpower and now your entire business is run by superpowers instead of you trying to do everything and things falling through the cracks <laughs> build your justice league i like that yeah and do you play video games i play Or... some video games i played a lot more growing up it's uh it's hard to make time to do that when you own a few companies and you're a partner in a couple others yeah just also the idea of if you're a strength character you know like stop creating balanced characters <laughs> go for a specialized type and surround yourself with the other characters instead of you know going with balanced stats yeah you'll get a lot farther in the game when you do that it's definitely a fact <laughs> yeah absolutely and how do you go about doing this like do you just go on upwork do you hire How do you find the Justice League members to complement your team? What's your process for screening them Man. So, this is actually a really good question. My development partner was asking me this the other day. If if you uh if you know Logan Fields, you should probably have him on your show. Yeah, yeah, super yeah. geeky, super cool. But uh he's uh, I was talking to him the other day and he and he asked me how I, how I'm so good at delegating. Uh, when I'm so young and it's honestly really really hard it's kind of hard to explain it's I'm really based I'm very much rooted in energy and mm-hmm. when I connect with somebody 
I know in the first 30 seconds if that person's going to be like, I know in the first 30 seconds if our energy clashes or if our energy like meshes and like beautiful things start happening. And I'm, and when th those beautiful things start happening with the energy, I'm like, all right, why? What is complimentary about us? And then I figure out what's complimentary and I figure out what needs to happen there for us to, for us to both have a win-win situation. And then I run with it. I trust the energy. And then if our energy doesn't mesh, I'm like, all right, this conversation's over. Goodbye. That's crazy. And bringing intuition into the game, that's a game changer. And then after that, like your logical and your rational mind comes into play and like processes it. So nice. Is there any like other yeah. ways, like common vision, uh, how, how do you know like we could do something together? Or do you just get creative? Another, so one of the biggest things that I care about is if they're really, really good in the role. If that, like, I try to find, I, I, one of the biggest things is when you get clear on what your weaknesses are, you figure out what you need to start looking for in people so that you can, so that you can fill out, fill in those gaps. Mm -hmm. I'm very, I'm very analytical of myself. So when I started as an entrepreneur, well, not immediately, but within six months to a year, I had a list of things that I hate doing that. I don't want to think about that. These are the things I want to focus on. And that list of things that I, that I want to focus on actually got smaller and smaller as I've developed. And so I have a list. I have a constantly running list in the back of my head of what I'm looking for. So when I meet people, if the energy meshes, I start asking questions. I figure out what their superpowers are. I figure out what it is they want, what it is that drives them and like mm -hmm. why they do what they do. Because indirectly, when you start talking to people about why they do what they do, they end up disclosing their core values to them and like what they're really about. I, I really like that. And I like that knowing what you want to look for and like being clear also on who you're searching for and what you need that also adds perspective and adds dimension just helps your search instead of you know hiring for a role you hire for a set of uh, skills or things you need help with and when the yeah. intuition hits you just find a way to work together so it doesn't have to be as much intuition. A lot of people don't have that ability, I guess. But uh, when, when it comes down to it, the first thing that I do when I step into when I step into a business with my clients, and this is actually something that anybody can implement after I explain this. But I had there's six pillars to every business: marketing, sales, fulfillment, retention, finances, and human resources and co and company culture. If you take those six pillars, figure out what tasks need to be completed under each of those six pillars, and then figure out what roles need to be created and filled for each of those tasks to be done, and then you make sure that all of those pillars communicate efficiently, then you have a business that can operate as a machine and you know what your company needs instead of just kind of do instead of kind of guessing when you start hiring. And then once you have that list of tasks, you create a documented standard operating procedure 
for each task. So now you have roles and standard operating procedures that define your business and almost anybody can pick up that document and say, okay, here's step-by-step step how to do that process. And that's what I set up. That's what I set up for businesses. That's what I focus on. So if you can implement that, then you free up a whole lot of time. And then that's how I start. That's how I start looking for other people and building my justice league as well. It's like, okay, I need to fill these roles. Once I mm -hmm. fill those roles, I've got my justice league, bada bing, bada boom. We're rolling like a machine. Let's make moves. Nice. And is there any, like, any one of these pillars that is more important than the other? Like, is it dependent on business to business or do you just treat them all equally? So, when it comes down to it, if you're missing any of those six pillars, you're kind of screwed. Mm. Like, yeah, you can get so far. I mean, the only thing that you, I mean, you could get a little bit away is you could get to about six figures without human resources and company culture because you can kind of be on your own. But yeah, yeah, totally even familiar. when you're on your own, if you don't have marketing and sales, you really don't have a business. If you can't fulfill for them, you're just going to lose all your clients and you're going to lose your business. And if you can't retain them, then you're always just freaking hustling all the time trying to scrounge up more work. Hmm. And also just trying to do everything yourself or like those entrepreneurs who try to wear all the hats of their businesses, they're just losing bandwidth and unable to really do the tactical side of running a business and scaling up. So I think as an entrepreneur, you should learn every task just long enough to document it. So that you know what's going on and you know what needs to happen. Like, you don't want to hire a virtual assistant and say, hey, I need you to build me a system for this. That's not how things work. You're going to get frustrated with that virtual assistant. I mean, yeah, there's situations where, for instance, if you don't have finance under control, maybe you bring on a CFO as a partner to to kind of mentor you on the finances and help you get that straight. There are situations where you don't have to, but I do recommend learning at least the basics so you know what's going on, you know what needs to be there, even once you put that CFO in place, because what happens if that CFO needs to leave and then someone needs to fill that role for a week or two while you're, while you're replacing them? Mm. Yeah, the importance of systems, SOPs, and just being able to replicate processes so that even if you make a new hire and you need to teach someone, you know exactly how to go about doing it in an optimal way. So, yeah, whenever on, you bring anybody yeah. on, for, mm -hmm. no, I, I, yeah, carry on. I was just gonna ask, like, speaking about mentorships, like, do you have any, do you believe in investing in mentorships or? Is that something that comes later on in the game? So I am a huge believer in investing in mentorships. And I wish that when I got started, I would have had the money to jump into a mastermind sooner. Because when you bring like-minded people together, you just get beautiful things. And, uh, you, and when it comes down to it, when it comes to building your network, you can either buy your way in or you can work your way in. I, I'm definitely a fan of working my way in because it lasts longer. 
But as a new entrepreneur, if you buy your way into a network, you're going to get a lot farther faster initially. Mm. Yeah, like masterminds, the access that you get to find more Justice League members. <laughs> Especially yeah, because... Yeah, just don't buy a course. Yeah, the similar like-mindedness. So do you have any masterminds that you're part of or that you recommend or like even your Facebook group? Like how can people reach you? Uh, I'm in the, I have the virtually limitless entrepreneur community where we honestly give a lot away for free. And then we have, and then we also have the limitless syndicate, which is in beta right now, which is a group program where we're giving software templated SOPs as well mm -hmm. as doing the masterminds. But there's a lot of good ones out there. I am currently not involved with anybody really. About uh, about a year ago, I stopped paying attention to all the gurus and being involved with all of it. I started pay attention, paying attention to what they're actually doing and I quit listening to them and I started growing a lot faster. So whenever you're looking at a mastermind, don't buy into it for the knowledge most of the time. Buy into it for the network. Look for the mastermind where you're actually going to build the network that's going to serve you. Don't. It's not really about the knowledge when you're doing that. Because a lot of them are just teaching you what they were doing a year ago that's not quite as efficient anymore. Mm. That's one of my big peeves about the industry right now. Yeah, and speaking so, on like, instead of just focusing on the knowledge, watch what they're doing and like learning that. Learning how they talk, learning about how they talk about problems, how they just think and how how has that been like in your own circles, like even like non-masterminds, just meeting people who are playing at those bigger numbers. What's one thing you've seen that they do similarly or something interesting? I mean, when it comes down to it, whenever you whenever you just start watching people, instead of listening to them, you realize a lot of the time what they're trying to teach you isn't what they're doing. Mm. And it's, yeah, it's, how do I explain this? What's a good example? Like, you ever see all those ads that are saying how to scale your program with nothing but, with nothing but organic traffic, but they're running an ad Yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, <laughs> hey, you want to make your millions in Amazon, but hey, I'm selling you a course. I'm not making millions on Amazon. Yeah, I, I've seen that. Or people who would spend a lot of crazy money to rent out Lamborghinis and just like a videographer and full-scale team and they would teach you how to do it differently. Like, you know, be unfiltered yeah. <laughs> or, you know, it's not about your branding and they just, there's a dissonance. So, I really agree yeah. with paying attention and or looking. Here's an even better, uh, I might get in trouble for saying this, but <laughs> look at the ClickFunnels community. Like, mm. everybody's preaching ClickFunnels as the end-all be-all, but if you look at any of the super affiliates promoting it, they've got all their sales funnels plugged into a WordPress or a, or a heavier-duty website that can actually rank on Google because ClickFunnels only does half the job, but they're selling it to these people as an end-all be-all. Yeah, that's crazy. That might, that might get you in trouble. And also, this I also might just is controversial. Like two hundred thousand people. 
yeah, but it's true, and this is also controversial. Like, um, you know, some people build up their branding, and then they go, they have people ghostwrite for them, and their books, their material says one thing, and they're doing something entirely different. It just, it's crazy, you know, the marketing world, and a lot of it. Like I call it stage magic. Like you. You see everyone performing and doing stage magic, and you just have to know which one is real and which one, you know, isn't. And <laughs> I, I, I don't yeah, have a problem uh, with either either worlds. Like you can still be um, a performer, but just give people that transparency that hey, you're just being entertained, <laughs> and that, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah I so, always tell people one day I'm gonna do a TED talk called Smoke News and Money. Yeah, you should. You should do that. You should do training on that maybe or webinar. <laughs> Smoke, mirrors, and money—the masterclass. Yes. I bet it people would sign it. up. Make it all about how to how to how to rent a Lamborghini and turn it into uh, turn it into social content for a whole freaking year, so you can brag about it. Niche down to the marketers. <laughs> oh my yeah. god. This is. Wrong. A lot of people are probably listening in right now as marketers and being like, uh, they really like that style of teaching and gurus and uh, to each their own. But that this exists. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's about preference. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're. Yeah. I'm not going to say too much, but we're fixing a wage war on a whole lot of people right now. Mm. Yeah, and it goes to thinking outside the box. So, how do you continue to take chances and you know do things differently when everyone's doing the same thing and it's it's what works and it's what's safe and just how do you create innovation? I'm not creating anything. Hmm. I, uh, when it comes down to it, I'm not the the one thing that I do that most gurus don't is I teach people how to build a long term foundation that actually compounds. Whereas most gurus are teaching, hey, get click funnels. Let's rely on paid traffic, and then they teach them bits and pieces. They don't teach them how to dominate Google. They don't teach them how to get the earned media. They don't they don't teach them, hey, you need an authority website if you're going to really be an authority long term. They, like they skip all these important parts and they give them the little bits and it's like, hey, here's how you get temporary success, bro. Mm. Yeah, so what you're talking about isn't doing things differently or like thinking outside the box and creating innovation. What you're talking about is creating real value and stepping away from um, tricks, quick fixes, magic bullets, and building something that will last long term. Yeah, one of the first things that I deal with whenever I step whenever I step into a business is building them an actual digital ecosystem that ranks on Google and has a compounding amount of traffic. And what we do is we get them to where I I send them a big list of videos and then they create they start creating those videos and every time they send me a video, what we do is we put it on YouTube. We distribute it as a podcast. We transcribe it and put it up as a blog post. 
And then we have other websites that syndicate that, that create backlinks back to the, back to their original website so that they actually have this massive ecosystem online instead of just relying on a bunch of rented traffic, which is what everybody is teaching right now is, Hey, let's build some funnels and rely on everybody else's rented traffic and social media that can change tomorrow. Yeah, and you mentioned like building authority and one of the things you talk about a lot in your group is, you know, uh, talking more about what you do and who you are, introducing people. So if you're an authority in marketing, talk about marketing, like make yourself visible out there and get on these podcasts, get on your own if you don't have a following yet and find ways to talk about what you're good at. So is there anything around yeah. that that you have tips on or you'd want to share? So I do want to say that one of the most valuable things you can do right now at this moment as an entrepreneur is to start a podcast. And when you start your podcast, start it be, be interviewing people to grow your circle and then start be doing one-to-one -one episodes where you're just talking to your audience to be strengthening that circle and building that bond with you. That's mm. one thing that a lot of people are missing is they're doing just interviews or just one-to-one -one when they serve two different purposes. And I'm actually having an issue right now, personally, where I only do interviews. So my podcast audience, they barely know who I am unless they make it to my group. Is there a so way to now I'm trying. Do what? Yeah. Is there any way you can? Yeah, they can like... find their way into my group. They can find their way onto my website, but they have to go from my podcast to there. And I'm finding that if I connect with people who find me from my podcast, they know a whole lot less about me. And that is because I haven't done one-to-one -one episodes. And I'm actually fixing to start recording one-to-one -one episodes so that that part of my audience actually gets to know me instead of just other people so that they're because they, they kind of have an idea what I do when they reach out to me, but they don't really know what I do. Yeah, because you're on the host end and it's mostly the other people who's talking. Interesting. Yeah, and that's the way I structure my podcast, but I also need to be building, I also need to be strengthening that relationship, not just growing the circle and growing my network. There's no point in growing it if I'm not going to cultivate it. And that's... Mm -hmm. uh, that's one of the big things that I've learned working with multiple people with their podcasts and then actually coming and experiencing that struggle with my podcast right now is they don't know who I am. They know who all my guests are. Mm, that's just crazy. And I'm just realizing that now, like the profoundness of, yeah, we, we work so hard to host these podcasts and a lot of the listeners on the podcast might not necessarily know anything about you. They, they know about the people you're interviewing, but not you. So that's also an important point to tie in. And yeah, speaking of the Justice League, is there any superhero that you relate with the most? A superhero that I relate with most? That's a very good question. I've never really... <laughs> I would probably be, man, 
I'd be somewhere between The Torch and Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> and that's not even Justice League. That's the Fantastic Four. But I'd be somewhere between The Torch and Mr. Fantastic because I'm like the, I'm kind of like a scientist when it comes to people's businesses. But at the same time, I'm not super professional like a lot of people. So I'm somewhere between Mr. Fantastic and Johnny Torch. Mm, a hybrid. <laughs> and your ideal, like people who surround you, like what kind of personality or what kind of superhero first comes to mind? Wonder Woman. We've actually got the white, we've actually got Andrea Adams Miller on our team. She's an international publicist. She does all of our publicity for, for, uh, for our people. She does my publicity and she, uh, we actually call her the lady in red because every time you see her pretty much, she's going to be in a red dress and red heels. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I've seen her in the group and just her personality and her bubbiness. So yeah, cool. it's, uh, yeah, and then uh, who who would Cody be? Who would Cody be? A mix of Iron Man. <laughs> I feel like Cody would Man. be Tony Stark. I mean, not mm. gonna lie, I feel like Cody's Tony Stark. Mm. Yeah, the geekiness and like the scientific way he breaks things down. Yeah, really he's different. like the nerd. He's all, he's over there building automations instead of Iron Man suits. Yeah, and Jarvis like systems optimization. Yeah, crazy. So, really interesting uh, show, and I appreciate you hopping on. So, just before we wrap up, I ask every guest that pops on three questions. So, question number one is In a perfect reality, in a perfect world, what would that look like? Who would you be impacting? Where would you be waking up? Ooh, that's a good question. I would be. In a perfect reality, in a perfect world, I would mm. be waking up in a different place every single morning to get on wow. stage and talk to hundreds of people and give them information that's going to change their lives. That's that's my perfect reality. Mm, nice. Yeah. TED Talks. And is there any specific city or uh, like, like more countryside, more cities more by the beach or you just want to be everywhere i want to see everywhere i want to see the whole world and i want to see the whole world in a way where i can leave everywhere i go a little bit better somehow hmm interesting answer and taking all the different cultures in learning about people and yeah the, the more i know about people the more strong my networking skills get like I'm always learning about people and I'm getting better and better at building that rapport faster and growing my network faster and connecting with these people. Hmm. And speaking of rapport, like, is there anything on that side of things that's been helpful for you? On like, you know, if you're not really good at people skills, like there's just, is there any cheat code or hack or does it tie back into curiosity? Here's the here's the cheat code. Uh, I'm probably gonna butcher this, but <laughs> if you're listening to this episode, look up Bryce McKinley and find his five steps to every conversation. It's Bryce uh, McKinley. I, I'm not even gonna try to walk through it, but go look that up. But first, you warm up. You talk about uh, 
you kind of tr- talk about family. You, you like you ask them about what they do for fun. You ask them what they do for family, and you and then you ask them what they're what they're doing to like just now, what they're doing for work, what they're passionate about right now. Like, kind of warm up the conversation, build that rapport, ask questions, shut up, and listen. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have people skills to ask questions and shut up. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. If you ask the question and you actively listen to those people, and then when they say something kind of basically like legitimately just repeat it back to them like say they say oh yeah my my kid daniel uh, he's in baseball blah 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 and you say oh yeah cool your kid's in baseball that's awesome and then like just keep asking and then just ask him another question awesome so your kid's in baseball like what are you working on right now that you're excited about brother Hmm. let them talk let them talk let them talk A lot of the introverts who are afraid of, you know, having to have people skilled and they're not very good at it. Even just admitting that out loud and being vulnerable about that, that's a really strong way to build rapport because not everyone is the way that they are naturally. Like, it might have taken them years to be confident with, you know, having conversations, with getting in a crowd, and just admitting you're human is... A really cool thing that you can try and just bring that yeah. curiosity with you like genuine curiosity and genuinely listening to them in this world of automation and bots and even like messenger everything is now automated it just helps for that human yeah connection human and i do want to point out as well whenever you're warming up the conversation Make sure you're taking note of those things and remembering those things. If they tell you a kid's name, if they tell you something they're passionate about, take Mm -hmm. note of those things. And then once you have that rapport, you can shift the conversation in the business. Take that conversation where you want it to go because now you have that rapport. You're in control Mm -hmm. of the conversation because all you've been doing is asking them questions and letting them talk and letting them give you information about them. So you're in control at this point. So once you feel comfortable shifted into business, once you get the outcome that you want, where you have whatever outcome happens, I guess, then uh, at that point you shift it back and you warm the conversation down and you reconfirm and you say, hey, so I was listening to, I was listening to how you said, uh, I don't even remember the name I said, I was, I was listening to how you said Daniel plays baseball mm-hmm. and how's he doing with that? like take that conversation back to personal and make it known that you were listening to them mm-hmm. and so all you've done is ask questions listen had the comp had the business conversation you needed to have and if you have sops you have questions you need to ask and a flow for that conversation if you have your call structures documented so that takes a lot of anxiety from it as well and then so warm up warm it up run through your documented process and then warm it down and you can get a much more detailed explanation of that if you look up bryce mckinley and find his five steps to every conversation bryce mckinley yeah definitely look him up and what you mentioned sounds really simple but it's really advanced because you're starting to speak their language like you don't even have to learn all of these um a lot of people learn neurolinguistic programming, they learn psychology, they learn a lot of things. But just getting interested in them, and it's almost like I describe it as going into a country like in Eastern Europe, and you're speaking Russian. And instead of trying to force them to speak your language, which is English, 
you learn what they're already speaking and meet them where they're at. And then from there, you can pull them into your realm and start speaking English and start speaking with, you know, business or pitching them or just bring them into your, your realm. But first start with making it about them. So really cool. Yeah, it's uh, one thing that you want to consider when you're having that sales conversation, like just like you like you said, using their language. If some like, if somebody says ginormous, don't say huge. Say ginormous. <laughs> use their language. Use what they say and repeat what they say. Like when you use their words, they're kind of like, yeah, exactly. Mm. <laughs> like yeah, you're the things that they're passionate you're about. You're reaffirming that they're right. Yeah. yeah, and like if someone talks to me, yeah, someone talks to me about superheroes that already has my full attention. Instead of trying to force someone to listen to you, find out what already hooks them and go with that. And you do that really well. So I think it plays into people's skills and just paying attention. So yeah. So question number two so is. So what superhero do you think you're like? I'm gonna ask you. Deadpool. <laughs> Deadpool, Deadpool. Slash you're like Deadpool. Why? I I like being polarizing. I just like the humor of um, Deadpool, like doing something really unexpected, doing something weird, and getting away with that. And just even the niche that I like working with are people who are mavericks, who are outside the box thinkers, who aren't easily offended, and you know, like willing to try different things. So like cryptocurrency or anything weird and random so i really like deadpool and just the questioning of like that fourth wall like asking those questions which shouldn't be asked <laughs> having those conversations and that kind of humor and i love that calling That's awesome. it out <laughs> deadpool for sure and i really like wonder woman also so probably a hybrid <laughs> if such a thing exists and with villains, it would have to be Doctor Doom. <laughs> so yeah, weird, weird mix. You sound yeah. awesome. <laughs> with a very yeah sarcastic sense of humor, but yeah. So question number two is: What's a deep dark desire that keeps you up at night? The deep dark desire that keeps me up at night. Huh. I mean, I have this issue where I always want to please everybody and that's usually what keeps me up at night because I'm in a position where if I want to please everybody, that's a whole lot of people. <laughs> so I'm, try I'm actually actively trying to let go of the fact and, re and recognize that I'm not always going to be able to please everybody right now and that kind of keeps me up at night a lot. <laughs> So is it more in priority of like who you please and going with that route or just if it happens, it happens? So it's kind of just learning that not everybody's gonna, not everybody's gonna mesh with me and I'm not always gonna mesh with everybody and I can't be and I can't serve everybody and I can't be friends with everybody. And that's one thing that I've had to kind of let go because I, I love humans as a whole and I want to see the human race as a whole, like get to the next level and do incredible things. 
but I can't be friends with the entire human race. We're all incredibly mm-hmm. different, unique, amazing human beings that we might like we're, we'll just have completely different beliefs but there's nothing wrong with that they're another human i still want to see them win and i have mm-hmm. to kind of step back and say hey i can't serve them i really like and resonate with that like it's one of the reasons i say deadpool because i more and more it's coming out but uh, being a marketer you have to try to please everyone <laughs> be everything to everyone and more and more I just realized that there's a specific niche that I really mesh well mesh with and work well with and I just really want to focus on them like I'd rather be a strong shot of whiskey than a watered down um, tea <laughs> I don't know like something really tame. and there's nothing wrong with tea and there's nothing wrong with people who like tea it's just I'm not tea <laughs> So, yeah, I really relate with what you said. And just if people like you, they like you. And you will still make that intention to connect with them. Just getting okay with the fact that not everyone's going to like you and that's okay. Yeah. Question number three is, do you have a guilty pleasure? A guilty pleasure? Yeah. I like to listen to Taylor Swift a lot. Taylor Swift. Wow. Yeah. Like the you know older that song, Taylor Shake Swift. Shake it off. Oh my you god. Know that yes. song, Shake it off. Yes. I rock that song almost every day. Oh my god. Like was this like when did you first hear about Taylor Swift? Like the very, very oh, first man. one? I mean, I probably heard you that song the day guitar. it came out. Like oh my I god. saw her I saw her when she was on a like was she on American Idol or America's Got Talent? I don't remember which one it was. I, I forgot. I just remember like the like she was this country girl, and then just over the years, she just got got more and more. Yeah, she years. was on some talent. She was on one of the shows, and she sucked. And then all of a sudden, she came back really good. Yeah, she would sing like these sad country songs, and just every single guy she would end up dating, just a breakup song. <laughs> yeah, you'd write a breakup song about him. That crap was funny. I didn't really care for that. I liked, like, Shake I, I It really, Off yeah. and, like, some yeah. of her newer stuff more. Yeah, that was really good. Um, I, I think that was my first breakup, and I was listening to Taylor Swift, and that was, like, a really good album to just have these feel-good vibes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the music video also. So. Yeah, I would I like never have seen you as a Taylor. I would never have saw you as a Katy Perry or Taylor Swift. What about um, Lady Gaga? I know the words of most of her songs. Lady Gaga, maybe. Just Taylor Swift and Katy Perry is a little uh, surprising. <laughs> so, <laughs> Mr. Fantastic, and you listen to Taylor Swift, a crazy combination. And you do system. Yeah. Nice. So, really thankful for having me on the show. And. As a last, do you have any quotes or questions or just insight that you'd want to leave the listeners with? Insight that I want to leave my listeners with. Yeah, or a quote. Or just be yourself. Like, just be yourself and lead with value, and you'll get where you're trying to go. Be yourself and lead with value, and that'll get you to where you want to go. I really love that. And thank you for coming on 